Star Girl podcast. This is season two, episode four, summer school, chapter four. And I think it's safe to say that this was the uh, Tigress and Sportsmaster and Artemis episode, which if you listened to us last season, you'll know that I lovingly referred to Tigress and Sportsmaster as my parents because I want them to be my parents. So <laughs> needless to say, I was very pleased with how much they were in the episode and what the writers chose to do with them. What did you think, Lizzie? I absolutely loved it. I was, uh, if you've listened not just last season, but season 0.5, you'd know that we were really, really worried about Sportsmaster in particular. And we were like, there's no way we're going to like Sportsmaster. And we're already eating our words like multiple times. And like, I, I think Sportsmaster was, um, well, and Tigress, but like the two of them were my favorites of the ISA. And the fact that they're back and they have now been announced to be up at serious regulars for season three. Something we don't have any clue how it's <laughs> going to change. Like after watching this episode, it's not like this is set up. No, we have no idea how that's going to happen. But honestly, I'm in. Yeah, according to the Deadline article, it says that the that Tigress and Sportsmaster are going to appear in one more episode this season before they're up to series regulars. So that means whatever episode that they're in, it's going to set up some sort of like further integration into the show. And Lizzie and I were talking before we started recording and our theory, if we want to get into theories already, I know it's only been like two minutes, but why not? Um, (laughs) Our theory is that they're probably not going to be villains if they're sticking around because this whole episode was about just like further humanizing them, especially in like through the lens of being a parent. So I think whatever they're doing next, I think it's going to be really fun because of the uh, interactions that they had with um, Pat and Barbara. They were just so delightful, but we can, again, I think we're getting ahead of ourselves with, Tigress and Sportsmaster. Um, are, are we going to talk about anything else? I mean, I think, I think we should. I mean, maybe. Like, but I think other we things happen. Barbara and uh, Sportsmaster and Tigress of it all because I, I actually think that's probably set up for something. Like they worked really well together despite not working well together. Like it was awkward. But Sportsmaster wanted to be Pat's BF. Pat. Like he really wanted to be Pat's best friend. Even when Pat was asking the most awkward questions, like how is prison? Like what, Pat? Do you know how to have friends? When was the last time you had friends, Pat? Come on. Uh, I think uh, Sportsmaster would be a great friend to have to like go to the gym with because he like owns his gym, right? And like that was his whole season one thing. He was like, "I'm gonna get you ripped, Pat. Like get that, like take that burger out of your mouth, like." He's going to be a good, like, health friend to have, I would say. And I think it was really cool how um, Tigress and uh, Barbara really bonded over motherhood and, like, mothering independent daughters. Like, that really just tugged at the old heartstrings. And it really shows that, like, you can find connections with people you would least expect, right? So, like, with motherhood it really is just you have no idea what it's like really until you experience it for yourself and it does help to create bonds with people you wouldn't expect because it's a it's an experience that's really hard to put into words as someone who has 
had that experience recently. Um, what do you think, Lizzie? <laughs> I, I actually, I mean, it's not just that, but I also, if you think about it in terms of their kid of, of Artemis, it, it really does set up like this episode set up Artemis as sort of a villain, her villain origin story, whatever. Um, but we've always speculated she's not really going to stay a villain, even if she starts as one. Um, and Cindy's whole recruitment thing, um, which is going really well for her so far. And honestly, considering how well it's going, and Andy and I have been really good at not watching ahead. So we are not speculating. We not know nothing more than what we're talking about this episode. Uh, but I am going to say that the recruiting thing Cindy has been doing has been going so well that at some point it has to go badly. And the only people left are Cameron and Mike. Mm-hmm. So that sets up something we discussed earlier in the season that maybe the person who's not going to come quietly or happily is Cameron, um, which is going to be a twist because what everyone expected was that he would be like Icicle Jr. right away. Um, so that, that's going to be fun. But back to Artemis, I, I do feel like if this is setting her up to be sort of a villain for a bit, the fact that her parents are presumably coming back in season three sets up the entire family to be something else. Because I, I don't think you keep them around to be villains, all of them. Um, you bring in another villain, you expand the JSA, and you keep Artemis as, a, as part of the team. Like, you bring her into the JSA, and then, especially considering, like, she's got a little bit, well, not a little bit, she's got some anger issues. Mm-hmm. And, that, <laughs> and she really is her best self when her parents are around. We saw that this episode. Um and it's interesting that we saw that just as we saw sort of what Eclipso does for for the first time, really, like the bad parts that Eclipso is bringing in people, because I'm sure that's going to come back to bite everyone. Uh, but I, I, I just keep thinking, if this is what Eclipso does uh, in what it showed us about Artemis is that she needs this family and then boom we get the news that the family's coming back in season three and i'm like yeah that just means good guys mm-hmm. that just means they're they're gonna not villains for me i think it's gonna be really fun to see like the chaos that tiger sportsmaster and artemis ensue with the uh new jsa because i don't think they're going to like immediately work with pat and barbara and the other kids but I think there will be some sort of like they will have some sort of like shared goal, perhaps, so that they're kind of forced to work together. And then we'll have that fun, like back and forth with those characters again, because I <laughs> when Sportsmaster and Tigress arrived at their house and were pantomiming, like playing baseball with their vases and tchotchkes and stuff, I was just I was dying. <laughs> I was <laughs> It was all really, really funny dynamics. Like, I think they did. They haven't gotten... Pat and Barbara haven't really gotten to do the com- comedy bits that the kids have somehow, sometimes gotten to do just in the interactions with each other. Uh, and they got to do them this time. And, and I especially liked, uh, yeah, Pat's uh, house prison. And, but, like, the entire... Um, with Tigress commenting on, like, the kitchen, which thankfully hasn't been fixed because I would have been, uh, I would have been like, who fixed your kitchen so quickly? And how can you afford that? And a bunch of other questions. Um, 
but yeah, it, it does feel like maybe the end of season three, whenever they deal with Eclipso and what's going, might end up with a bigger JSA. So I'm I'm kind of glad that they're they're giving the JSA that we have now the dynamics of the kids a little time to sort of grow. Um, as we move towards what's probably going to be, they already introduced uh, Jenny. We already know Jakim has a pen, and and now we're, we're talking about the possibility of Artemis. Um, that that's all building to a bigger team. But I I do think that the four kids we have now, our JSA, are the foundation. Um, so it's good that they've spent some time developing. Like they had a couple of good scenes this episode. Like the scene in in the the diner with Yolanda being so cute. Oh, and oh, her God. little diner outfit. God. And she's bringing milkshakes, like living the like Riverdale fantasy. Right, and she got it all wrong. But everyone was like game to drink whatever they <laughs> didn't want, just to make her happy. And yeah, was, it was. It was a very like Rachel from Friends moment when she first starts working at Central Perk and just gets everyone's orders wrong. But you're like, you know what? You're my friend. I'll, I'll have this uh, coffee that I don't want. I'll have this milkshake that I actually didn't want. It's cool. It's fine. Strawberry. Great. Love it. <laughs> it it was it was cool. And then this episode also had them doing like I I I'm gonna say this. Courtney has grown a lot. Like she's gone from no thinking to like at least 0.5, like, they were researching, going into a library, like, Courtney, who are you? Like, well, she it didn't even go that. It wasn't just the library. She also went to, like, a used bookstore as well. She went to several locations to research. Right. She promised she was going to do this, right? And then she did it and like i'm so proud of her like in general i think all of the kids have grown and we've talked about rick's growth because the whole thing with grundy is just borderline hilarious um and i wanted to bring this up because i told you like we really need to discuss how rick can afford to feed grundy like grundy is not like why are you getting the expensive hamburgers for grundy like rick my dude go to mcdonald's yeah God. Yeah, because diner burgers, you're looking at, what, at least $8 a right. plate, right? But right. you can easily order from the dollar menu at McDonald's, Rick. Like, you got to be budgeting for this. <laughs> it's like it's right. like trying to feed an Olympian or something. Like, it's, it's like, how much did Michael Phelps eat when he was training? That's probably how much Grundy is eating, at least. Right, and then Grundy's not going to notice. Like, I don't think his palate is that developed. Like, he's <laughs> right. <laughs> so, come on, Rick. Um, and then uh, Beth. Like, I think we've really seen Beth. Um, I liked her in season one, but, like, I know some people thought that she still needed more humanizing, and I think the first few episodes of season two have done a great job with that. She's had a few moments with Rick in particular, who I think has always been her strongest connection in the team. And we don't necessarily mean that it's romantic or it has to turn romantic. It's just the strongest connection she has on the team. And we see her confide in Rick um, in this season in a way that she hasn't confided in anything in anyone else. And that's important, especially as the show has done a really good job of establishing Courtney as Yola- and Yolanda as BFFs. Yeah, definitely. I think just... Like what you said earlier about just allowing all the kids to grow, including Mike, I do want to get a little bit back into what 
that could potentially look like down the season because we saw that like portrait, right? That like Cindy brought up with Eclipso and that vision. And then we kind of see like what her vision of the new ISA is. So you have Artemis who looks like Sportsmaster in that portrait. You have Cindy who looks like her normal Shiv self. We saw that last season, so that's fine. And then Cameron looks like Icicle Jr. because he has that same stupid necklace that I just don't understand that aesthetic <laughs> choice. Like we could have, there could have been a redesign, but fine, we're going to get the necklace again. But then like Isaac is wearing a hoodie. Right. And Mike is wearing some sort of button down something that's totally unremarkable and gave no hints at all. He might be wearing a necklace. Like I paused it and I tried to like stare at the screen. There was like a shadow that could potentially be a necklace. So I have no idea what Cindy's vision for like what Mike as a villain could be. There were zero hints dropped. Right. I, I feel like we're going to know how Mike is going to go after next episode because I feel like her recruiting thing has to go to Cameron next. And if Cameron says no, even if she like convincing him, I don't know. I don't know if he'll be that easy to convince or whatever with Eclipso um, because like, what are you going to show him? Like, it seems like his worst uh, nightmares have already gone to pass. That's true. So like, what are you going to show him now? Like, what are you going to... Uh, Artemis was easy because she cares about her parents. Um, and Isaac was easy sort of because he's alone. Um, maybe, I, I don't know, maybe she can try to show Cameron that uh, her dad, his dad was a villain, but I don't know that that would help in the way she thinks. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I have a strong feeling Cameron is going to be the one to be like, no, Cindy. Um, and that'll be fun, but that'll probably mean that Mike is going to get caught up in Cindy's uh, thing at least for a while, mm-hmm. um, which is sort of what we expected. Like, it, it wouldn't be surprising. It's sort of what we expected. And this episode really did sort very fast away from the pen. Like, oh, yeah, that happened. Bye. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just like the lantern in the previous episode. Okay, yeah, lantern. Bye. Pen, bye. We have other things to get to. Like, has it been a week at least? What day is it? I don't know. What's going on? Um and uh, timing would be good because I, I would like to know how long Grundy has been around too. Like the Grundy thing's going to come out. When is it going to come out? Because it feels like when the Grundy thing comes out, either it's going to be kind of a, like a fluffy episodes or it's going to lead into something big. So I'm like, when is this thing just going to end up biting Rick? Yeah. Because what is the purpose of keeping Grundy around? Is what we have to think about, right? Like, there's a reason why they want to keep Grundy around. Who is Grundy going to ally, ally himself with? I mean, I assume Grundy at this point will save Rick from something. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rick saves him and Rick has been feeding him. And also he feels guilty for what he did to Rick's parents. Um, whatever emotion there is in Grundy probably has at this point imprinted in Rick. So he's going to say Rick, but it, it'd be super funny because, like, what if he's trying to save Rick from the other kids? Like, he doesn't know. <laughs> like, so Grundy can be used, I think, in many fun ways, especially because no one else knows about Grundy. Um, and Rick needs to stop being a hypocrite. He's like, Beth, you can trust me with your secrets. Oh, I have a dog. Yeah. 
when very, did you get a dog? dog. <laughs> right, and this, this week when the, the question of when did you get a dog come up, and Rick was like, uh, uh, yes, I have, what dog is it? It's a, it's a big dog. I know, as, as kind of stupid as he is about this whole Grundy thing, he, our boy, if we're going to go in our Rick appreciation corner, um, he, so that terrible teacher apologizes to him in this For episode, me. and Rick is just like, it's, it's okay. And then he just walks away and I was like, excuse me, who is this boy? Like, <laughs> I guess they really, they really do only have room for one character with rage on this show. And now it's Artemis. It's not Rick. So, right. Especially this episode. No, I, I call Rick a himbo. But he's like, I mean, I love him. He's not that dumb. Um, and Lyra was I'm going to bring it up just because, like, on air, but she was mean enough to say he wasn't that pretty either. Right. What? Excuse me? This fight will have to continue when I return on Superman and Lois Radio. We can do, do like, a crossover episode of how we yell at Lyra about how she's wrong about Rick. Right? I just had to bring it up because I knew Angie was going to disagree. I'm sorry. Uh, Lyra, whenever you hear this, like I'm how sorry. how do you look at that face and not be like that's a beautiful face he's, he's like i i don't know i still i'm very surprised how we went with rick from what to oh my god my baby rick so he is he is now our, like this podcast's baby Right, have adopted him, much like how he adopted Grundy. You know what? I would definitely buy Cameron Gelman if you're listening. I would buy you a dozen diner burgers because you have gave me so much entertainment for two seasons. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really been. We really love Rick. Um, in fact, I think we've spent more time talking about Rick this season than Pat. Oh my God, is he our new Pat? It, he might be our new Pat. What is happening? <laughs> I mean, though, Pat, this episode, like, I I love Pat. I love that at the beginning he was like, okay, we were keeping secrets from Courtney, but maybe we shouldn't. And then at the end, he's still keeping something from Courtney, and he yeah. and Barbara agree. And I like that that is good parenting. And then the, also part of me was like, that's just never going to fly. This is a superhero show. She's going to have to find out. She's going to find out in the worst possible way so maybe you should just tell her pet like don't you know you live in blue valley there are villains around Mm -hmm. what's it it's gotta be it has to be some sort of like life or death situation if he's keeping it from courtney because we did see previously how he was like oh the shade he's a villain but you know what i'm gonna tell her about it so like he's willing to talk about really serious dangerous things with her which means whatever is going on with the clip so is just beyond and could be a life or death situation either that or it's just terrible misjudgment on his part which i doubt because even though pat dugan has a flip phone which we saw in this episode Uh i think his parenting has usually been pretty sound so it has to be there has to be a good reason Right, especially with Courtney. I'm going to say that they all kind of dropped the ball on Mike a little bit. And I think they still are. Like, I would have liked to see a correction to the fact that they all didn't notice how Mike was feeling. And no one really, like, swerved that hard in the other direction in this episode. Um, and we know Cindy's going to come calling on Mike. So that that's going to sa- seem like a 
bad idea once that happened. Um, but um, in general, Pat has been really, really good. Um, and, and Pat being really good and Barbara being really good and the family dynamics being what they are. And probably Courtney sticking up for Mike and the, and the JSA is sticking up for Mike when they did. Um, even if it did not end up the way Mike wanted it, it's going to be one of those things that I assume brings him back to the light whenever he's got his own, very own, what is a hero? Because Mike's whole storyline this season seems to be about sort of figuring out what a hero is. He mm-hmm. he seems to think there's only one way to be a hero. Like he killed uh, Icicle. And he had a conversation with Yolanda about how he didn't want to, but he didn't feel like he did anything. Even though without him, uh, they were all like there in front of like he could have he saved everyone he really did he yeah. literally saved everyone but he feels like he did nothing because he feels like the way he did it is not heroic enough like he's got these ideas of what being a hero is like and he doesn't realize that the kids are most of the time making it up as they go along like no one knows what they're doing they're all like just throwing stuff around and seeing yeah. what sticks if that isn't a metaphor for adulthood i don't know what is like, we're all just pretending that we know what we're doing and just trying to get dressed for the occasion <laughs> and going forward with it. Like, Right. So that that's probably going to play into what Mike ends up doing um, whenever Cindy comes calling, which she will. Um, mm-hmm. I still think Cameron is first. Uh, it's just in the way it's set up. And Cameron and his muscles have been around doing not much for a couple um, of episodes. They have not been around enough. Right. I will say. I mean, we need an entire episode of his muscles. Like, can we talk about what he was doing exactly as he was grieving? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And also, can we switch up the outfit? Right. Please. Especially no. with those muscles. Especially, why would you cover those muscles up with a jacket? <laughs> don't tell me it is that cold in Blue Valley. I don't think so. He doesn't need a jacket. He really doesn't. But also, what is, like, it's, like, Cindy's outfit the entire time. Like, that that must be, like, I don't know. Yeah. What, what exactly was the weather like? Because everyone's dressed. I mean, they're dressed. Courtney's never wearing, like, short sleeves these days anyway. But Cindy also looks like all that leather is probably, like, very, very, very hot. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't but, seem like a very smart choice for me when it comes to like fighting and cardio you don't want to be wearing leather it's uncomfortable and hot right oh, thank you uh, and now that we're talking cindy um, i want to talk about the moment we saw with the mom because mm. it's very telling because that is a eclipse but b how much of it is a lie like we know she hurt her mom um but we also know eclipse can make you see things that aren't real so how much of that was real? How much of that was something the mom said or would say? And how much of it was Eclipso? Because we know Eclipso is manipulating Cindy. Right. Cindy did get upset, though. So I feel like the thing that Shiv's mom says of, like, I'm so sorry I let your father find you. I think that's probably founded in truth because it's totally on brand for Dragon King to just take someone and turn them into a weapon. Right. Yeah. I'm not I, mad that she killed him. No, 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 not at all. Like, I also find Cindy a more interesting character than Dragon King. Mm-hmm. Like, I will take Cindy every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, Dragon King, 
boring. Like, interestingly enough, the characters we thought might be more interesting going into Stargirl have turned out to be the... the we thought Dragon King could be an interesting um, yeah. villain. And Sportsmaster was just going to be horrendous. And here we are. The opposite <laughs> side. So. This is... This is uh, growth. There was something else I want to talk about regarding Dragon King because there was some, I forgot who dropped the line, but basically someone says that Dragon King did something to the wizard's body. And I'm like, what? Why would you drop that detail unless you're going to do something about it later? What do you need the wizard's body for? Oh, does it have anything to do with what Mike was wearing in the thing that because the only thing it looked like was maybe like a wizard kind of like without the um i don't know i'm reaching here but like what the hell could be because again we have no idea either way this is all purely speculation because like we said earlier we did not watch forward this is purely us just using our our college degrees (laughs) Right, um, to talk about, um, and we haven't talked about Artemis enough for an episode where she did that thing with the apple. What was that Whoa. thing with the apple? Like, is that a thing people can do with an apple? Like, how? I don't, right, think like, so. how? I don't know. But you know like, what? She probably saves money with like getting juices, right? She she can like juice things by herself. She doesn't need to go to Jamba. Like when. Courtney and Yolanda were looking at her. That was my face, too. I was like, what in the world is this? Like, is this a thing that can happen? (laughs) Lizzie, you're a lawyer, right? Yes. Can you imagine if, like, at the end of your, like, deposition or whatever, you just, like, crushed an apple to emphasize your point? I mean, if I could. Like, I've never tried. Okay? Well, let's start with that. I've never tried. I'm actually like I don't have apples. Like, can I go to the store and like get the apple and just cry? Like, I just don't think that's doable. Um, maybe we're just not strong enough. See, we're we're not discussing it from a place of people who could actually do that. I really liked with the with Artemis and the Crocs, kind of just like telling her the truth because she was so convinced that her parents were innocent. And I really liked that the Crocs went with honesty and really showed how much they love their daughter and their family, where they're like, you have a future. We're not going to get in the way of your future. And that includes us. I was like, my parents, like, I, that was such a beautiful moment. It it was very good. And and it's, it's super annoying though. We knew it was going to happen. That the moment she lost it was the thing that was going to take everything away from her. Mm -hmm. But the thing thing with her parents was really, really good. And again, it it feels like it's set up for something good. Doesn't feel like it's set up for them, like, turning evil or or, or turning... I mean, I guess they've never turned back from evil, but, like, I don't know, staying evil? Mm -hmm. I guess we should talk about the shade of it all. Because... Uh That's the thing that's kind of left that we haven't really touched on. So there's this like interesting conversation uh, between Shade and Courtney. And Shade talks about the difference between bad and evil. So we're kind of left to question if the Shade actually did kill Dr. Midnight. And it turns out with that end scene, it looks like he didn't. 
we'll return to that though. Um, I think that this likely confirms that for this season, it seems like we're looking at this shade not necessarily being like an evil villain character. That's definitely more of like what Eclipso is being set up to be. I think we're looking at the shade as more of an antihero. And right. if Tigress and Sportsmaster are returning for season three as series regulars, perhaps they will also be more along those like antihero kind of train as well. And that would just, I don't know, it would give us some more dynamics on the show that I think would be really fun to watch. Um, and then we have the shade talking about his motivation because he is really determined to get this black diamond. Right. And there has to be something beyond, oh, I'm just bored. Right, no, because when no, he's doing that I'm bored thing, I'm like, you're right. We watched plenty of superhero shows before. Right, exactly. Um, I think, are we ready to talk about the Shadowlands? Do it. Okay, so it looks like Dr. Charles McNighter is trapped in what is likely, so he doesn't say Shadowlands, but we read comics, it's the Shadowlands. Um, Yeah. And so we have confirmation, Dr. Midnight alive? what so let's talk about the shadowlands because the shadowland in dc comics is the source of the shades and obsidian's powers and as we know obsidian is jenny's brother who has yet to pop up on the show and she's determined to find him in the 1998 comics with which lizzie and i have read a number of um the shadowlands are featured and i think it's worth interest it's worth bringing up the interesting things that they could potentially pull from the comics so this is a spoiler alert for those of you who want to go into the rest of the season completely without our BS speculation, because who knows if this will actually come to pass. But in issue 49 of the JSA run from 1998, Alex Montez is the new Eclipso. Okay, we know who that is. It's Yolanda's brother. So that that could be interesting. Also, in that in those same arc, Courtney orders the Shade to take them out of the Shadowlands, but they are attacked by Obsidian. So perhaps Jenny's brother on this show is in the Shadowlands. That's my theory. I, I was I was one hundred percent sure that that was my theory too, and we hadn't discussed this before. I know. When we saw it was the Shadowlands, I was like, ooh, Obsidian. And I was like, ooh, that's just going to come back because they're going to have to, I mean, they're going to figure out that Dr. Midnight is there and they're going to figure out um, that they have to leave him somehow. And then that that thing with Jenny was all like, hi, I'm here. Hi, I'm, I'm, I'll leave. And then it feels like it's, un, like it, it, she has to come back at some point. Uh, so that that feels like some something that'll come up like near the end of the season, and maybe it'll tie into how to defeat Eclipse, mm. um, which we don't know. Pat is very very vague about what they did to defeat Eclipse. Um, exactly, and there's still that confidential file that no right. one's that might to be, open. That might be what he's keeping from Courtney. Like maybe defeating Eclipso required a sacrifice of sorts. Something that like maybe someone died and then their only way was something like that he's not willing to put on Courtney. Um, 
because it feels like the only thing Pat and Barbara would be keeping from Courtney at this point would be something like big. And then mm-hmm. especially as, like, as they know, Courtney knows they're keeping something, but she's like, if Pat's not going to tell me, I'm just going to find out. And you're like, oh, I was just wasting your growth three seconds ago, Courtney. Because like in general, like I this season has been easier on me to be on the side of the kids. But in general, I spent most of season one being, yes, what Pat said. Yes, do what Pat said. Uh, because, I mean, yes, apparently I'm enough of an adult to be like, yes, listen to the dad. Um, <laughs> but now, like, we're in a point where we're like, we're seeing what Pat is doing. And I would probably, like, maybe in his position, we would be doing the same thing. But also as someone who's watched uh, shows like this before, we know this is not going to turn out the way Pat wants it to turn out. Yeah, it seems, like I said earlier, like, it has to be some sort of, like, life or death scenario. Perhaps it does require, like, a sacrifice of some sort that Pat doesn't want any of the kids to even, like, think about making that kind of sacrifice. Because that's kind of the, like, the folly of youth, right? Like, when you're young, you think you're destructible or, like, you have those, like, youthful ideals where you're willing to sacrifice yourself for the greater good, perhaps. I don't know. that. That's kind or of perhaps you think that perhaps it's something that Pat says. If you do kill you, and then they he he's afraid that them being kids, they'll be like, "Well, it won't kill us." And he's like, "That's not how it works." Yeah, his uh, parent. Uh, so that sort of feels like a little bit where they're going with this. Um, and um, I, I I really like that if anyone. We still have Starman or not Starman or the artist formerly known as Starman hanging around. We haven't seen him in a couple of episodes. I haven't forgotten Joe McHale. Um, but now with this possible Starman coming back and then the fact that Dr. Midnight is alive, like is anyone in the JSA really dead? And then mm. um, and then we, we're getting Jay Garrick. Like, do, did they really die? Was the scene we saw something to do with Eclipso? Was it real? Like, mm-hmm. what? Because at this point, how is... Uh, uh, there's no way Starman should be um, alive unless we're seeing, like, a different... We've already discussed the many different ways we could get Sylvester. Um, but Dr. Midnight, was it, like, was it an Eclipso thing that we didn't have any way of seeing or understanding when we first saw the scene that opens the show? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting thing to think about. Yeah, because if if they are alive, it turns out I personally want to see more Ted Grant. That would right, be, I was like, want I him saw to, two seconds of Ted. I want him to train Yolanda. Like, I would love to see the OG Wildcat helping out to train the new heroes. That's very much in line with the comics, too. That would be great to see. Uh, Johnny Thunder, I'm not sure really what value he would lend to the season if it turns right. out he's not dead. Not so sure about that, but I do think there's definitely space for Wildcat to still be alive and still allow for Yolanda to be Wildcat. Right. Yeah, it, it would be interesting. Like, at first I would have said no to the originals because I like the kids, but, I mean any exploration like i think there's probably no way uh rick's dad is alive but there are all a whole host of things that in the comics could be explored because this 
a comic book show. There are 20 million ways to bring people back, even for a little bit. Um, there are many issues with these kids. Like the show's doing a really good job of establishing the dynamics uh, within the group, but they haven't explored the background of each of them. They, I think the one that's gotten more has been Beth this season. We haven't gone back to Rick's awful uncle in his trauma and we haven't got back to Joanda's family who apparently doesn't realize she's um, sneaking out of the house every night and like so questionable uh, so those are things that I feel like we have to go back to especially considering what Angie brought up about the possibilities in the comics and we don't know if the show is going there but it, it may be mm-hmm. I think is that all we have to talk about for this episode I think so. We're very good at like making—I don't know—making it all like it's transition well. It's all connected. It's all connected. In fact, all I want to add is that even Pat was very, very happy when Artemis was like kicking ass in the football field. So um, yeah, I, I want to celebrate that. I, I still think that those are all little hints to a future storyline there, hopefully. Oh, and I want to celebrate Stella Smith just, like, emoting all over the place this episode. She had to play up so many dramatic emotions. And especially that scene where she's, like, crying and saying goodbye to her parents. That was very moving for me. So, you go, girl. You go, Stella. Right, um, and she looked believable as a football player, too. So, like, those are all, like, the range that she needed in this episode. Yeah, and she, I think she fulfilled... Everything that yeah. was most of her. I'm, I love these actors so much. I love these characters so much. They, they really are just like our babies. Um, in the meantime, you can visit stargirlpodcast.com for all the latest news about the Stargirl show. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stargirl Podcast as well. We will be responding to Twitter and emails soon. We're sorry if you feel like we've been ignoring you. We're not. We're just really busy and we've been recording these in advance so that by the time we get the emails, it's too late. So we will be doing some sort of episode about that. Anyway, and subscribe to Stargirl Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And while you're on Apple Podcasts, hit us up with some five-star reviews. Don't forget that we're part of the DCTV Podcast Network. We're podcasts for all the DC shows at dctvpodcast.com. Follow the network on social media at DCTV Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Last but not least, subscribe to our mega feed on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. DCTV Podcast also has its own Public store, so if you're interested in DCTV-related merchandise, click on, click on the link in the show notes and get some awesome gear, as it does support the network so we can continue to make these podcasts. If you have any questions or thoughts about Stargirl, email us at stargirlpodcast at gmail.com. And see you next week! Bye-bye.